Praise the Lord, Pineview. And those of, of you who are joining us on Facebook Live or listening to our podcast on Pineview Lovecast. Now, tonight we're talking about baptism. We're continuing with the doctrines of Christ. Um, and hopefully I can, if, if you are old at this, hopefully I can add a little to your repertoire. But for those of you who do not know scripture on baptism, this is for you. You need to hear this. Um, we're going to be talking about moving water, sprinkling versus burial, titles or name, uh, how necessary, grace and works, why, when, who. So we're going to cover a lot of areas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity of digging into your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us to grasp a hold of the truth. And Lord, not just know the truth, but teach it and use it. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so... We have been basing our teaching on Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 6 and 2. And uh, let's look at that. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. So he's dealing with a church that has been taught the elementary truths and he's telling them they needed to be taught it all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infinite, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use this is the reason why they don't have a hold of it, because they haven't been using it. Have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings. And so many people take that verse and that's all they look at and they say, Ah, it, I don't, I don't want to look at this. This is, this is for babies. Well, I got news for you. If you can't teach it, if you can't perceive it, you need it. So, he is talking not to the teachers, but he is talking to those who have been taught it and need it to be taught to them again because they haven't used it. So therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on unto maturity. And the rest of the scripture lets us know what these elementary truths are. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith Toward God, as the King James says it, and instructions about baptisms. And those are the first four, and there are seven. But we're stopping here because tonight we're going to talk about water baptism. And that S indicates there's two. There's two elementary teachings on baptism. The Holy Ghost baptism and water baptism. Okay, where did John the Baptist... And Jesus get their ideas from about water baptism. 
types and shadows. In Exodus 40 and 7, it says, And thou shalt set the labor between the tent and the congregation and the altar, and shalt put water therein. Okay, now if you remember earlier in uh, the first lesson or so, I talked about Joel 2 and 17. And of course, the book of Joel is talking to Israel and saying, look, if you don't straighten up, Babylon is coming, going to lay siege to you and wipe you out and you're going to have to start all over again. And of course, in the book of Joel, in the second chapter, verse 17, it says that the ministers are to weep between the porch and the altar. And of course, the laver or the molten sea. Now, Joel was looking at Solomon's temple, which was a replica of the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness. But nevertheless, the piece of furniture, the laver, was set between the porch and the altar, the entrance into the Holy of Holies and the place where the sacrifice was given. And, of course, in reading through the Old Testament, when you see Babylon come in and besiege Jerusalem, one of the first, one of the things that they did was they broke the molten sea into pieces and they carried it into Babylon. And that's why I believe that Joel told the ministers to weep between the porch and the altar. And I believe spiritual Babylon, the mother of harlots, whom we also have talked about, you know, the, there was 120 priests that were sounding as one, making one sound to be heard. And in Acts chapter 1, there are 120 in the upper room and were a royal priesthood. Uh, the son of David, Solomon, the son of David, Jesus said, I will build my temple, the real church, the real house. And so you can follow that all the way through and you can see that this is a type and shadow of the real church. And in history, I think you will discover that spiritual Babylon, Revelations 17, also takes baptism and takes it into captivity. So when you look at uh, Hastings Bible Dictionary, which first impression was in 1898, so this is before Topeka, Kansas, before the second outpouring of the Holy Ghost, before the latter rain, you know, Joel talks about a former and a latter rain, James talked about a former and a latter rain. And before that Holy Ghost outpouring took place, this was written in James Hastings Bible Dictionary. And these are very, very scholarly people who've been at Cambridge and who studied Hebrew and Greek and other ancient uh, texts and the, the codexes and the whole nine yards. And this is what I found in the article on 241 in volume one on baptism. We are at once struck by the fact that in spite of Christ's command to baptize into the name of the Trinity, and they're, getting, they're looking at Matthew 28, 19, 
No mention is made of the Trinity, but only of the name of Jesus Christ. Moreover, there is no mention in the New Testament of anyone being baptized in the name of the Trinity. And then in another spot, it says, it is admitted that this inferior form of baptism went out of use at an early date. Baptism in the name of the Trinity was a later development. So, of course, my contention in this is that this is spiritual Babylon. They've taken baptism into the Dark Ages, and at this point in time, when James Hastings had put his Bible dictionary together, they were still in darkness. So, old Babylon took it, and new spiritual Babylon took it into captivity. Okay, so looking at the Old Testament further, on other areas where the scripture talks about baptism, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal, and he tells them, you offer up your sacrifices, and the God who answers by fire, that'll be God. So... Excuse me, my foot got behind there. <laughs> but I, I lost my shoe. So, uh, verse, chapter 18, verse 32. Elijah builds an altar in the name of the Lord. He fills four barrels with water and pours it upon the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He does it a second time and a third time. And then he fills the trench also with water at the time of the evening sacrifice. Elijah said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that I have done all these things at thy word. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God, the self-existent, eternal Elohim, the creator of all. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. So we have a sacrifice, we have water, and we have fire. Then there's the crossing of Jordan. Now, Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of unbelief. And that generation dies off, and Joshua and Caleb take Israel to the Jordan River, where the priests step into the Jordan River, and the Jordan splits, just like the Red Sea did. And Joshua says this, it says this in verse 8 and 9. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took the twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them into the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood. 
and they are there unto this day. So they took 12 stones out of the bottom of the river and they put it up on the land and they took 12 stones off the other shore and put them on the bottom of the river. Old Israel that wandered in the wilderness was buried in water. New resurrected Israel that was going into the Canaan land was put next to the city on the other side. And then we have this story of Exodus, the children of Israel leaving Egypt. They have been there for 400 years since Joseph. And Moses has come along, come along and he said, let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh did not. And there were 10 plagues. And the last plague was death. And the Lord instructed them to get a sacrifice, slay it, put blood on the doorpost and on their lintel, and eat the sacrifice with their shoes on and ready to go. And so here we have in Exodus 12 and 7, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. So when you're celebrating the Passover lamb, when the Jewish people are celebrating Passover, they're talking about this incident, this celebration right here. That the Lord, when he saw blood on the house, he passed over it. And where he did not find blood, the firstborn died. And in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul looks back at this. So we're talking about the Apostle Paul now looking at Old Testament scripture. He says, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So Jesus' blood is on our house. And of course, Jesus himself sits down at Passover and he says, take eat. This is my body. I'm the Passover lamb. But I want you to understand that the children of Israel are still in the land of bondage. You've got to do more than get blood put on your house. Paul goes on and says in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Cloud by day, fire by night that led them to the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted. And Pharaoh's army followed, and the Red Sea closed on them. Egypt was destroyed. Sin was destroyed. The power that held them, that, that bound them, was destroyed. There was blood. There was sacrifice. There was water. There was Holy Ghost and fire, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And then let's look at how Peter looked at it. Peter, in 1 Peter 3 and 20, 
says, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure one to even baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the easy-to-read version says it this way, and the water is like baptism, which now saves you, period. Baptism is not the washing of dirt from the body, period. It is asking God for a clean conscience, period. It saves you because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So Noah built an ark. God said, water, and a flood came. Sin was buried. And eight souls were resurrected in that ark. I want to take it a little further, though. Let's look at the birth of the world. You see, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be. And there was. You see, the seed is the word of God, according to Luke 8 and 11. And 1 Peter 1 and 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So I want you to understand that the word of God is God's sperm, God's seed. And in 2 Peter, Peter goes on and says, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command, Genesis 1, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. So the earth was birthed out of water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, a second birth. And the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. So the earth was born out of water, then it was baptized in a world. The, world, the world was then baptized with water, and the winds blew on it, and new life uh, took place, and we are stored up for fire. So the earth is going to undergo water baptism, Holy Ghost, and fire before there's a new heaven and a new earth. In parables, which is an earthly story describing a heavenly thing, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about birth. I hope everybody understands birds and bees. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So many people look at verse 6 and they want to water it down, but it doesn't work. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. 
Marvel not that I say unto ye, ye must be born again. A man must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. Can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, a birth requires a husband, a bride, seed, an egg, a, 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 a woman's water, travailing and coming out and breathing the breath of life. We have Jesus Christ, the husband. We have the bride, the church. We have the seed, the word of God. We have water. Her water. We have the breath of life, the Holy Ghost, abundant life. We have Zion travails and brings forth sons and daughters. For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. Who? Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand our group? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Birth. It's biblical to experience both water and spiritual baptism. Jesus' view of baptism, water baptism. Matthew 3. 13 through 16, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him and saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him and Jesus when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. He didn't have a baptismal uniform. He got all wet. And mind you, from Galilee to Jordan is about 50 miles. He's our example. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. Again, talking about burial. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should walk in newness of life. For if we have, been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. If we have been planted, then we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him in baptism. Now, there's a Greek word for sprinkling. Actually, two Greek words that I found. I might even be more than that. But there's... The, but the words for bury and for baptism are two totally different Greek words. For bury, it's synthapto. And for baptism, it's baptisma. For sprinkling, it's prosuces and rentismo. 
Totally different words. So when you bury a, a dead cat in the backyard and you only sprinkle a little bit of dirt on it, your neighbors are going to get upset when it starts smelling. This needs to be buried. Okay, let's look at Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We're a sinner. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the grace of God. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible in basic English says it this way. He gave us salvation through the washing of the new birth and the giving of new life in the Holy Spirit. By the washing of rebirth and the renewal that's brought about by the Holy Ghost. That's how you are saved. That is God's mercy to you, God's grace to you. In Genesis 6 and 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, it was written in basically mostly Hebrew. And in the New Testament, it's Greek. And of course, these are two different words that is translated by the English people as grace. But nevertheless, they translated both the Hebrew word in this setting and the Greek word in, in the New Testament as the word grace. And it's verse 13 that says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Now the grace that came to Noah was before he knew about the flood. Matter of fact, the grace was Noah is going to rain and you need to build an ark. So let's look at how one of the first preachers in the New Testament, how they viewed Baptism, how important it was to them. In Acts 8, we see Philip coming up to the eunuch who's on a chariot, and he runs up, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and in verse 35, then Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And then verse 36, and they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, a baby cannot believe. So you've got to be old enough to believe with all your heart. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went 
down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Again, it's burial. Now, I have read Isaiah 53, and I love it like most of you who know it love it. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And on it goes, and you get to the seventh, seventh verse, and he says, He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. That's where the eunuch was reading. Verse 8, he was taken up from prison. Verse 9, and he made his grave with the wicked. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Verse 11, and he, he shall see the travail of his soul. Verse 12, therefore will I divide him a portion with the grave. There's no place at all in Isaiah 53 that it talks about baptism. Yet Philip knew that this man needed to be buried in water. So how important is baptism? Do you want to justify God? Luke 7 and 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. How much more with the baptism of Jesus? Matthew 21, 25. The baptism of John. Jesus is asking this question to the Pharisees. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye not believe? How much more with the baptism of Jesus? Jesus did it. Jesus baptized. John 4, 1 through 3. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. So the Lord had the disciples baptizing a whole lot more people than John the Baptist. How important was it to Jesus? Well, here we are at the Lord's closing statements to his disciples. He is about to be taken up from the earth. It's the last thing he wants to let them know. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now there are some folks that say Mark 16, 16 is, is spurious. So we're going to throw that out. Now that's your Bible. That's what it looks like. It's got something missing. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, a person who doesn't believe isn't going to be baptized. I had one fellow try to tell me that, well, it doesn't say anything about baptism. Well, I don't know. And then there's Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Now, remember, we talked about James Hastings looking at this as the 
baptism into the name of the Trinity. But let's look a little closer at this. In verse 18, all power is given unto me. Doesn't say us, does it? It says me, not us. In heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Not the titles, not the words, not names, plural, but name singular. Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now the fact that the article the is in front of Father, in front of Son, and in front of Holy Ghost, and this is the King James Version, lets me know that ain't a name. I would never say the Roseanne. Because that's her name. I'd say the wife, the love of my life, the sister, the mother to my children, but not the Roseanne. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus' name is Wonderful. That means Jesus is called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, these are titles. These are offices to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is telling his disciples to baptize in his name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So think about that verse of scripture now. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. They are offices. So when you're looking at the epistles, the beginning of the epistle and the end of the epistle, and you see all these titles, these offices, they're not a person. Jesus is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So is the name important? Well, John 20 and 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life. Is there a period there? No. That they might have life through his name. Now, there's a lot of people that put a period there. But it's not there. You've got to have life through his name. Luke 10 and 17, the same thing. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils, besides everything else, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Acts 10 and 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, shall receive remission of sins. Remember what I said about, or what we read in Mark? He that believeth and is baptized. Believe and through his name. 
Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it takes faith. It takes water. It takes repentance. It takes burial in the name of Jesus Christ. And you are promised the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 47, the, the, the other gospel that records the last statements of Jesus Christ. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And Acts 2.38, Peter is in Jerusalem. And what does he teach? Repentance, remission of sins in his name. How were people actually baptized in the New Testament church? We look in Acts 8, where Philip is influencing uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, or not, excuse me, the Samaritan people, and he's preaching to them, and verse 8 and 12 says this, but when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that interesting? The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace, and the Holy Ghost. And the other subject that he was preaching is the name of Jesus. Doesn't that sound apostolic? They were baptized, both men and women. And then 8 and 16 lets us know how. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, speaking of the Holy Ghost. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you need to understand the New Testament. A lot of people don't understand the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. I've got to die before my children can inherit my home. My wife, too. We have written out a will and testament. We're the testators. But I've got to die before that can ever be seized. Romans 8 and 17 says, And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment, of your inheritance. So you see, testator, testament, heir, and inheritance are all in the scripture. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not the New Testament. Thief on the cross didn't die in the New Testament. Jesus said, go wait for the promise. In another place he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given, for he was not yet glorified. John the Baptist said, whose shoes I'm not worthy of the lace. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That was the whole purpose of God. In the Old Testament prophets. I'm going to do a new covenant. I'm going to put my spirit in you. You see, the house, the new house, 
Solomon had built the temple while Jesus had built his house, the church. And first it was him and what he possessed in his body. His heirs now have a chance to receive what he had. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are history to the testator. They're the history's, the testator's history. And Acts of the Apostles is where the church receives their inheritance in the second chapter of Acts. And Peter, for the first time, has that experience. He's waited, like Jesus said, and he is filled with the Holy Ghost. And he gets up and preaches the first sermon he ever preached under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he says, you've got blood on your hands. You killed the just one. Your sins murdered him. And the people said, what do we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you, your children, and all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is the first time someone told someone else who wanted to know what they needed to do to be saved. That was 29 AD. 12 years later, Peter goes to Cornelius' house because Cornelius has seen an angel. Now he's ministering to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. In Acts 10 and 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And then verse 48 in the New American Standard Version. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In King James Version, it says he commanded them in the name of the Lord. But I found that only the King James Version says, Lord, every other version that I've ever read, and I've read lots of them, say Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ. So, 25 to 28 years later, Paul comes across these folks that have already been baptized in water. In 19, chapter 1. And it came to pass 
that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? First question out of his mouth. Have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And then he said, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Verse 4, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these folks were rebaptized. Their first baptism was good, John the Baptist, but it wasn't enough. They had to be rebaptized. This is 28 years after the first initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 25 to 28 years later. So in the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, it was repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 28 years later, it was still the same message. And in this church, it's still the same message. And here is water, what doth hinder? God bless you. I hope that's been beneficial to you. Have a great night.